All right. Well, I'm not speaking today. That's so great. That's why I get to just relax and enjoy. Uh, we have a guest speaker, but I kind of need to set this up so you understand a, a little history. So I was in, I'm from Acadia, and I was in Colorado a few years. And while I was there, the Lord connected me with some young men who love the Lord. Do not fret and do not worry about the future because there's a sovereign God over it. And Psalms 33 says, he will put his heart in every generation. Some generations may be bigger that serve the Lord, some generations smaller, but his heart will be in every generation. You ask, where are all the 20 and 30-year-old somethings that, that love the Lord, that are becoming leaders, that are going to take over and plant churches and, and lead, lead the future? Well, I know a couple of them. They're visiting today. Two of them, Chris and Nick, they're brothers. Chris came with me from Colorado to help me plant this church. He was a worship leader here for two years. And his twin brother, Nick, stayed there and continued working with his father and his father's church. And then... They've all growing, been growing, serving. This is, the, this is the key about being in charge. You have to be faithful with someone else's vision before the Lord gives you your own. If you're faithful with someone else's vision, then the Lord will give you your own. So Nick, Chris's twin brother, uh, has been prepping and training and is still a year off. They will be planting a church in the Colorado, in the Denver area, the Denver metro area where they're from, in about a year's time. So this time next year, I'll be one of the overseers there. So Nick is going to be our guest speaker. Chris, you saw Just Led Worship, and they'll be here this week and next week. So I hope that's clear. That kind of sets it up. Wait, did I say the names wrong? Okay, good. That's the worst thing, which you always say the names wrong. All right, so Nick is going to be speaking this morning. Nick, come up. All right. He, he has his tablet. He doesn't even own paper. He nah. doesn't even own it. What is paper? Yeah. <laughs> so it's encouraging to see 20 and uh, 20 somethings, 30 somethings who have a heart for God. The world, they don't care about, they just want to know what God wants them to do and are going to be leading the future. All right. Cheers. Go ahead. Thanks, man. It's good to be with you guys here in, uh, this is technically Lafayette, right? Okay. I'm trying to learn all my, my surroundings. Uh, I, I'm not. I haven't really been here too much other than spending some time with Chris last year. It's good to see some of you. Some of your faces are familiar. I'm terrible with names, so if uh, if I look at you and I'm like, uh, just just come and say hi. It's okay. I, I don't bite. Uh, and I love I love everybody that Chris loves for the most part. We we w- that's something that twins do is like what's yours is also the other person. So like. <laughs> If, if there's a friend of Chris's, you're probably going to be good with me. Like, we're, we're going to be friends. It's going to be fine. Uh, today, we're going to be, uh, first of all, let me just say thank you. You guys have um, an amazing pastor. He didn't ask me to say this, nor did he pay me to say it. I just have to tell you, you have an amazing pastor, uh, Pastor Stephen and his wife, Megan. Um, they have been such a testimony to me and my wife and our life um, here in Colorado or there in Colorado. Um, you guys have something amazing here, something so special, and uh don't ever take it for granted. They're, they're incredible people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, today we're going to be talking about bringing the king in. And I know that probably makes no sense to you. I'm actually going to describe it to you. So look to your neighbor real quick and say, where do we bring the king? If, if you don't have a neighbor, look up and say, God, where do we bring the king? Because that's kind of why I'm here. I'm here to answer that question today. Where do we bring the king? Uh, before, before we get into that, I, wanna, I just want to read something to you. Is that okay if I read something to you? I'm going to read from the, the great theologian, Ricky Bobby. Anybody know who that is? Just, just listen to these incredible words here. He says, Dear Lord, baby Jesus, as our brothers in the South like to call you, Jesus, 
We thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of Domino's, KFC, and always the delicious Taco Bell. I know that that is like so rude to say here in Louisiana because you guys have the best food on the planet, but th these are his words, not mine. Um, I just want to take the time to say thank you for my family, my beautiful two, two beautiful, handsome, striking sons, Walker, Texas Ranger, or TR as we like to call him. By the way, when this movie came out, I, I spent a good season just having to repent like crazy because I was so mad at my parents. They missed a massive opportunity naming Chris and I. We should have for sure been Walker or Texas Ranger. Like, huge opportunity miss right there. Like, come on. You, that was their era, too. Like, they were, they were in that era. You, you, who knows who Chuck Norris is? If you don't know who Chuck Norris is, if you're too young for Chuck Norris, you need to go find out who this guy is. He's, he's like the myth, the legend of America, I think. So uh, he goes on to say, Dear Tiny Jesus, in your golden fleece diapers with your tiny little fat balled up fists. He says, dear eight pound baby Jesus, six ounce newborn infant Jesus, don't even know a word yet, yet. Um, just a little infant, so cuddly, but still omnipotent. We just thank you for all the, all the things that we have, all the races that we, un, we won, all the money that we have. Um, also due to a binding agreement uh, contract that stipulates, I mentioned Powerade at each grace. I just want to say thank you to Powerade. It's delicious and it cools off your hot summer day and we look forward to Powerade's release of Mystic Mountain Blueberry. Thank you for your power, your grace, dear baby God. Amen. Known as the Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Now, you're probably like, that is, that is heresy to say that in a church. But I, I just wanted to warm you up because we're actually going to be talking about the king today. We're going to be talking about two particular stories. Um, we're going to be looking at a little bit of scripture. But there's two particular stories that we like to call the Creaster stories. Um, and so if you're a Creaster, you made it. You, you came to the right church today. Just thank God for that because who knows what Creaster is? It's the two national holidays where the secret followers, kind of like, um, kind of like some of the people in the Bible, they they came out to just worship God on Christmas and Easter. Creaster, Creaster, yeah. When Christmas comes this year, you're gonna know who they are because they don't normally come, but they come on Christmas and they come on Easter. So you can just call them Creasters, just call them to their face or to the on their back, whatever you want. Um, just like Nicodemus, you know, just very secret follower of Jesus that come out of the woodworks every once in a while. Uh, we're, we're talking about bringing the king in, and so this first story we're going to look at is, is the birth of Jesus, and uh, I'm sure there's a lot in this room that know what that looks like, what the birth of Jesus is, uh, but there's something so special that we could take away from you. Um, how many know that the birth of Jesus was proclaimed way before he came? Yeah, it was, it was testified about, it was prophesied about. Um, there, there was also, during this time, there were actually different movements of angelic activity coming in saying like, hey, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. You know, Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, the wise men. And uh, the, the story that we're actually going to talk about today is, is the shepherd story here. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 13 is where we're going to start. So where do we bring in the king? Okay, where do we bring the king in? And suddenly there was an angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth among those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. We're going to stop right there for a minute. Lying in a manger. Does anybody know what a manger is? I mean, we're in the South. I feel like everybody should know what a manger is. A manger is basically like a feeding trough for, uh, for animal. And so... Jesus is king. Let me set this up for you. Jesus is king. 
He, it's not like he became king. He is king. He always has been and always will be. He's the king of everything. He is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. If you read in Revelation 19, you'll see this amazing, amazing picture of who Jesus is. You know, he's got like, like lightning in his eyes. He's got this sweet white hair. It reminds me of Gandalf the White, you know, if anybody's seen Lord of the Rings. But so much better because Gandalf's kind of weird, but Jesus is awesome. So. So we get, this, we get this picture of Jesus coming into humanity, right? We just, we just sang about this. I love that last song that we sang. What a beautiful name. We just sang about how the kingdom of heaven was being brought in. And this is the beginning of that. This is the beginning of, of how this all starts. And so Jesus, many people think that this, this moment in history was just kind of random. Like, like because it says that they, they couldn't find a place. Uh, they couldn't find the inn to, to where, where baby Jesus could actually be. But the truth is, this was actually prophesied about, that Jesus would be born in a place just like this. And so when things are prophesied like this, and when Jesus actually fulfills prophecy, we need to look at that a little deeper and be like, okay, what is this about? Because there's something actually really special about things that are prophesied, and then they actually happen. It's, it's more than just like, okay, that's cool. God's obviously sovereign. It's like, okay, well, what, what does the scene look like? Why is, why is this important? Jesus wasn't born in a palace, this king, which that was normal. He wasn't born in a a nice, cozy crib. He was born in a manger. The king of the universe is born in a manger. Like, do you you see the irony there? That's wild. That's, that's in, in a way, that's crazy. The king of everything is put in a manger. He wasn't born in a, or he was born in a stable because Mary and Joseph couldn't get a room at the inn. Micah chapter four, um, if, if, if you go read this on your, your own time, this, this is the prophetic part of that. It says that he was, he was supposed to be born in Midgal Eder, which is a Hebrew worm that means the watchtower, which is a special place in Bethlehem. And it's a place for sheep, a place for cattle, a place for animals, which is exactly what we see here. We see him being born in a place for animals, a place that is filthy, a place that is stinky. I mean, who's been to a, a, like a rodeo or something like that? Like it, it, if you haven't been, it, you'll, your nose will be burning for a couple of days, I'm just saying. Um, I remember there was this one time when I was younger, Chris and I, my mom and dad took us to um, I think it was a farm. We were so young, I really don't remember, but I do remember milking a cow. Um, and while I was milking the cow, I, I will never forget the smell. Like, it was just horrific. It was horrendous. It was, it was, it was bad, people. It was really rough. And what I want to say today is, don't you know that the king wants to go to messy places? Don't you know that the king wants to go to places that maybe don't smell the best? Don't you know that the king needs to be in these areas of life? Like we, as Christians, especially the, the Christian influence today is a very comfortable influence, especially here in America. We tend to just want to operate in our sphere of influence, which sometimes is big, sometimes is not very big, but we're not really super excited to go into the places that are filthy. And we're not super excited to go into the places that are stinky. However, this is what we can, we can really pull from God's word this morning is he was born in that. He was born in the filth 
in the stink of, of this place. I love that the last time I was here, I got to see um, Pastor Stephen and Megan um, basically shotgun a new ministry for this church, and it was going into the strip clubs and doing ministry. And I, I just have to say bravo to this church. That, that is incredible because I, I, I see a lot of this in Colorado. We are, we're, like, we're like the church is the only place that God operates in, and outside, like, we don't touch it. But the problem is, is we are called to go into the world and reach people, which means we may have to get our hands a little dirty. And I'm talking about, like, the really dirty, dirty stuff, like the stuff that comes out of the wrong end kind of stuff. Like, we may have to get a little messy, get a little smelly to bring the king into places that he's not in yet. Isn't that true? We just might have to do something like that. We just might have to get a little gross. And I love Louisiana because you guys, you're all about this stuff. Like, uh, let me say this too. If a king actually was in America, if we had a king instead of a presidency in a republic, I am sure that that king would live in Louisiana because kings love food and you guys have the best food. Like, I've only been here for a day pretty much and I'm, I'm, I'm ready to move here. I, I love your food so much. It is so good. Thank you. Just want to say thank you. Thank you for being a Louisianan, genuine Louisianan, or, or a, what, what's the word, Cajun? Cajun. If you're Cajun, bravo. Thank you. Thank you. You're awesome. Um, this is kind of Jesus' ministry, right? Like when we see the gospel accounts of what he did and what, who he was, he was called friend of sinners, right? Like he would go spend time with people like tax collectors. He would eat with them and he, the people would just marvel at him. They'd be like, what is that guy doing? Like he's even eating, even eating with tax collectors. He would go heal people. He would spend time with the lame, the deaf, the blind. These are, by the way, the people of that type are, are in that society. They're people that nobody wanted to be around because they were filthy, they were stinky, and nobody, nobody cared for them. Like, they're, they were the outcasts of society. And that, this, is, this is a missed part of our gospel today, is, is we, we're so scared to go into those places. We're so scared to meet those people, people that are truly in that type of mindset. They're, 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 they feel dirty. They feel filthy. They're, they, they feel that, that, that stench of grossness. The church is called to that. The, the people of God are called to go and reach the lost. Amen? Let me tell you, the church doesn't grow without the lost. Do you understand that? The church does not grow without the lost. The lost are the ones who need found. We were just talking about that before we started this morning. Amen? That's awesome. Mark sixteen fifteen says, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all creation. So the answer, where do we bring the king? Everywhere and to everyone. Everywhere and to everyone. We bring the king everywhere and to everyone. There is no limit. There is no place that is filthy enough. There is no person that has enough sin for you not to bring the king into that position in their life. There's nobody and there's no place. We have this message. We have the message of reconciliation. The lost don't have it. The only people that do are people who call themselves Christians. Little, little Christs. That's what that word means. We are called to go into that part of the world. 
this, this, this philosophy of like, we're going to build the church and they'll come is, is fine. That's great. The problem is, is sometimes the church feels too perfect and it feels too righteous for people who already know that they're stinky and filthy to come into a place like this. So we have to go out. We have to go reach the lost. Amen. Amen. Those far from God, no matter what image they try to cast, no matter how much cologne they try to spray. <laughs> See, that's what, that's what lost people do. Is, uh, this is what humanity does. Is they, they try to make, like, I am this person, when really they know that they're, they're not. They're, they're a sinner, just like you and I are. We're sinners saved by grace. They, they, they have this outward stench, this inward stench, and they just mask it with all this cologne. And I, I, reading this story, I am persuaded to say that everybody has a manger that needs a king in their heart. And it doesn't matter how filthy, how stinky you are, or your friends are, or the people who you don't really like. Everybody needs that manger filled by the king. Amen. So where do we take the king? We take him everywhere and to everyone. Let's read uh, verse 17 here real quick. Um, this is really, this is, this, is, this is what happens when we do this. I, wa- I want to show you how important this is. Again, Luke chapter 2, and we're going to pick up in verse 17. When we bring the king in to the stink and the filth of, of people and places, the outcome is wonder and worship. Verse 17, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. This is the shepherds right now. And, they, and it says, and all who heard it wondered at the shepherds who told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and all they had seen that had been told to them. So they go into this place. They see the king and the outcome of it is wonder and worship. Crazy. Crazy that the outcome of bringing the king everywhere and to everyone is wonder and worship, right? Isn't that fascinating? Most of the time when we read the Bible, we see the upside down method, like the things that should work don't, and the things that shouldn't work do, right? And this is one of those times, like it makes no logical sense to bring people into what, what is filthy and grimy and see a baby and their, their outcome is wonder and worship. It makes no logical sense. But the spiritual things of the Lord are not of this world. They're incredible. And he knows way more than we do. So we should learn from him. Amen? By the way, I, I find this really funny. The Pharisees actually worship Jesus. Did you know that? They Worship is... It's everything that your time and your resources model. And let me tell you, they were wondering about Jesus enough to be around him an awful lot. And they spent a lot of time and a lot of resources planning, plotting, thinking, and doing whatever they could. They, they worshiped the guy. And if I were there in that time, telling them that would have made them so mad. But the truth is, is they were like all about him. Like they, they, they were fascinated in the wrong way, but they were fascinated to some degree. They had wonder because the king was there. We need to bring that into the world. So we're going we're gonna to dive into the second part. How do we bring him? It's not enough just to say, okay, where do we bring him? I feel like everybody in this room might even know this to some level. They just need to hear it again. Of course, we bring him everywhere and to everyone. 
How do we bring him in? This is, this is epically important in our lives to know how to bring the king into our city, into our place of work, into our families, into wherever situation we are in life. It's so important to know how to do this. We're going to read the, the Easter side of this story now. We've, we've done the Christmas side. We're going to do the Easter side now. This is the triumphal entry where, where Jesus comes in on a donkey. And uh, this, this story, by the way, was the context of this is super cool because the people that were there, they, they, they actually understood what was happening. This wasn't, this wasn't like a new thing for a king to ride into the city and, and present himself in a celebratory form. Um, this was very, very normal. Um, it, was, it was normal even for the Romans at the time. And so what you see is, is Jesus coming in on a donkey. Let's go ahead and read it real quick. John chapter 12, verse 12. John chapter 12, verse 12. It says, The next day the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out and met him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, for not just as it is written, for not, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Now the word colt here is polos in the Greek, and what that means is something of the same kind, basically. Um, like when we think of colt, we think of a horse, and so there's been a lot of issues around this scripture, but the truth is, is it was a donkey's younger, younger donkey. It, it's still a donkey, and so Jesus is, is found riding in on a donkey. People are laying palm trees down. They're laying their cloaks down. If you read the different accounts in the Gospels, there's a lot going on. It's a really cool thing. What this signifies, this always signifies, is when a king rides in, whether it's on a battle horse or a chariot or, in this case, on a donkey, it signifies in a celebratory form that the battle has already been won, that the war is over. We've, we've already done it. Before the battle even begins, before the war starts, this is what happens. They, they celebrate this. They rejoice, just saying, coming into the, coming into the battle with positivity, saying, we know we're going to win. We know we're going to conquer. Now, what's so unique about this is Jesus rides in not on a battle horse and not on, on a chariot. He rides in on a donkey, which is not really that usual. It, it happened in the Jewish culture a couple of times where they would ride in on a lower vessel. And the two things that we need to pull from this is peace and humility. When we bring the king into our city, that's, that's how we do it. We bring in peace and humility. That's the way that we bring Jesus, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, into our city is through peace and humility. Luke chapter 10, verse 5 through 6, this is where this is where Jesus sends out his disciples for the very first time on a missionary journey. It's, it's super funny. He sends them out and he says, Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. The donkey represents peace. If he would have rode in on a war host, Revelation 19, by the way, he's not riding a donkey anymore. He's riding a horse. It's a pretty awesome horse. It's a horse ready for battle. This this is a donkey, and the, the purpose of this donkey is to signify peace. Again, not peace that I'm going to win, peace that I've already won. He didn't, come, he didn't come to stir up that kind of commotion. He came to be peace bringer, and that's our job. We need to be peace bringers, amen? 
we, when we bring the king in to our cities by peace, things start to change. I, as I look through America right now, we have, we have such a war mentality. As I look through the different states of America, we have this, this battle agenda. And as people of the kingdom, as Christ bearers, our agenda is not that. We, we war against things, but it's not against people. Right? We don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against principalities and, and that, that side of the equation. When it comes to people, our job is to bring peace. I know that that's hard because it literally goes against everything in our humanity to do something like that. But it is what Christ calls us to do. Here's the thing. In order to bring this kind of victorious peace, in order to bring this peace into the city, we have to know our place. We have to know our place in the kingdom. We have to know our place in order to bring this kind of peace. When we read this story, the tendency is to position ourselves on top of this, this animal and ride into the city. That's, that's, like, that's kind of like how we, we, we gather this information is, okay, well, Jesus rode into the city to, to, to do this victorious battle, and, and so that's how we got to do it. We got to ride into the city with this mentality of doing this victorious battle. And the, the truth is we may even amp that up a little bit. Like instead of a donkey, we get on top of a horse, and we ride into the city, and, and we're just like, yes, we are righteous. Yes, we are awesome. Can I tell you that cr- nobody likes Christianity viewed that way? The lost are like, what are you doing? Lost people do not get your awesomeness. Lost people do not get my awesomeness because they don't know the king. They, he's not king of their heart yet. He, he, they don't know him. And so when we come in and we're just like, we're like the best in a way, very judgmental. In a way, we're like, we're better than everybody kind of deal. Like we come into the city like that. We miss the opportunity to present the king. Let me, let me, let me say this. Instead of thinking of ourselves on top of the donkey, what if we thought of ourselves as the donkey bringing the king in to the city? Have you ever thought about the opportunity where you are the king bringer? And that's how we bring the king in. We don't bring the king in as if we're the king. Look, if you know the Lord today, you are a king. You're seated in heavenly places. You're an heir to the throne. You're royalty, a royal priesthood but you're not the king. I'm not the king. And so my place in the kingdom is not about me looking like the king and bringing this awesomeness in. It's about bringing his awesomeness in. It's about bringing his goodness to the city. It's about bringing his freedom to the place where people need to be set free. There's a lot of people who think that they're the king. There's a lot of Christians who come into the situations of their life thinking that they are king. Instead of recognizing what a humbling thought that I even have the opportunity to bring the king into all of these situations. I have the opportunity. The God of the universe, the king of all, has allowed me to bring him into our cities. He's allowed me to do that. And it's not by pride. It's not by arrogance. It's humility. This is the image of the donkey, peace and humility. And I, w- I would like to attest that to us as a, as a church. We are the donkey. We're not the king. If we can keep our place in that, we can reach our cities. Amen? Don't, who, who in here wants to reach Lafayette? 
I'm here for just a short while and I want to reach Lafayette. Like there's lots of people going to hell every day. And we can't do it by sword. We can't do it by coming in and, and being arrogant and prideful. This, this is why people don't like Christianity. And it's not the gospel. The gospel is not arrogance. The gospel is not pride. The gospel is peace and humility. I am, I am persuaded that our cities don't need any more arrogant war makers. We need peace bearers. Verse 19 of this says, So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. I love that. Because of how he was presented into the city, their viewpoint is, oh shoot, the world's going to go after him now. Because peace and humility brought the king, the world has gone after them. Like, like, what if we just tried God's way in reaching our cities? What if we just tried it? What if we tried to reach our, 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 our cities, the places that we are called to reach, our, our sphere of influence, the way that God has asked us to? I wonder what would happen. Remember, God's way is kind of upside down from human thinking and our, our human tendencies. What if we just did that? I wonder what would happen. I believe we would reach the world. I believe we would reach the world. We just got to get rid of our humanity for a few minutes and allow the Spirit of God to work and operate in us. Amen? That's not that hard. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. That is so hard. I get it. But through God's power and God's might, we can accomplish this. You, you got to understand, we are called to go and reach the world. If we weren't called, we wouldn't have the power to do it. But we are called, and therefore we do have the power to do it. This is what God asks us to do. We can do it. Amen? So why do we bring him in? Why do we bring him in? We know where, we know how. Why do it at all? What, what is the point? We bring him in peace and humility. We bring him everywhere and to everyone because he loves more. He loves mankind more than he loves mankind's sin. He loves mankind more than he loves mankind's sin. Mark chapter 15, verse 25 says, And it was the third hour when they crucified him, and the inscription of the charge read against him, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right, one on his left. Most kings at this time and a little bit after, the way that they died was not like this. They were either assassinated, or they most of the time died in their palace. Jesus was on display for everybody. He was in a public setting. He died in front of all people. What I love about this part, this is really hard as a Christian, like, you should have seen me blubbering when I was studying for this, because anytime we get to the cross, it should break us. But, Notice in this story, Jesus didn't die between a righteous person and a righteous person. He died between a sinner and a sinner. He didn't die alone. He died for us. He died for mankind. He died because there was no other way. There is no other way. He is the only way to God. He's the only way that we can have life and life more abundant. Amen? 
I think that this is the ultimate illustration of choice in our relationship with God. Because the two robbers that are with him, if you read the other gospel accounts, what you see is one of them says, remember me when you get into your kingdom. And the other one says, he's just mocking him. He's just chastising him, making, it, making more of a mockery, which is hilarious because he also is up on a cross. Like, your last words are going to be making fun of the person on your right? Come on. Like, you're kind of the scum of the earth if, you're, if that's what you're doing. Like, your last thing is making fun of, the, of another person on a cross. Like, what makes you better? But this is the image of choice. One robber says, I recognize that this is the king. The other robber, he doesn't. He doesn't get it at all. He's just like, there's another dude. Like, there's two guys right next to me. That are, we're, we're dying together today. Like, I might as well leave on the worst note that I possibly can. Why, why make it any better? It's already terrible. This is why we bring him into the world, because he put himself between the sins of man to bring us into fellowship with the Father. Mark 2, 17 says, Those who are well have no need of a, of a physician, but those are, who are sick... I came to call the righteous. I came not to call the righteous. I came to call the sinners. He didn't come for the people who think they're well. He came for the people who aren't well. He didn't come for the people who think that they're righteous. He came for the people who are sinners, people who are unrighteous. He came for the world, which means, again, this is why we go out. This is why we go reach the world. This is why we don't just come to church. Church is awesome. But I, I want to say this, if, if our worship band can come up. If people that are lost are not coming to this church and leaving in wonder and awe, it might be because there's a righteous spirit here instead of a spirit of love and a spirit of willingness for people to know the king. I know that may be hard to hear, but it may be that. It may be. If the people in your life are not leaving, the things that, when, you, when you're talking to people about, about your life, are they leaving with a, with a sense of wonder and worship? Wonder and awe, wonder and worship. Or do they think you're arrogant? Do they think that you're full of pride? Do they think that, or do they think that you're peaceful? Do they think that you're humble? Do they, do they see the opportunity for a king to be in a manger or a king to be on a donkey? Do they have that opportunity in your, in, when you present them the gospel? This is how we win our families. This is how we win our cities. This is how we win the lost. The gospel is for the lost. If you know the Lord, you already have the gospel. You have, you have Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. If you're struggling with the words that I just said, let me, let me make this really clear. Jesus tore down a physical temple and rebuilt a spiritual one in three days. He was telling a Samaritan woman as he was walking, he said, people worship me up there. They worship me in that temple right now. But there's coming in a day and an hour where they're gonna worship in spirit and in truth. I was talking to this guy, this was about three years ago. I was talking to a guy who, this was at my dad's church. We were, 
we were bringing in a ton of different sound equipment. We we're kind of doing an overhaul and stuff like that. And so we had two different semi truck drivers come in. And the very first guy, I will never forget this story because God met this guy. And so what happened is he's coming in and we're calling him. Truck drivers are late. If you're a truck driver, you know what I'm talking about. Like you're just never on time. And that's okay because traffic is terrible anywhere you go. And so what happens is he's calling us. He's like, hey, I'm just going to park on the outside of the church. I was like, okay, well, we have, we have like really heavy equipment that needs to go inside the church. So just want to know if there's any way that you can get that semi closer, it makes our job a lot easier. And so he finally got there and we're, he gets out of the truck. And he's like, he's like, man, I'm not going, I'm not going anywhere near that. And I was like, why? And he said, he said, if I go anywhere near that church or in it, I'm going to burn. I may have heard that from people that are lost. Like they, they literally think that if they come inside the four walls of the church, they're gonna magically combust into flames. And, and I said, I said, why, why do you think you're gonna burn? I said, you and I, we're having a conversation right now. So why would you going inside the church make you burn? I, I, don't, I don't understand that. Remember, I'm found, I'm not lost. So I don't understand their perspective all the time. I have to ask them questions to gain that perspective. And he said, well, you're, you're just a regular dude, but the person that lives in there, I've done a lot of bad things. I've done a lot of bad things. I've messed a lot of things up in my life. I don't have a lot of family anymore because I've ruined so many relationships. I've made some really bad decisions, been to jail, been to prison a couple of times. It's not looking, it's not looking good. I, I, I'm not worthy to be in there. And I, I'll never remember that. It was, like, it was like one of those slow-mo moments in life. How many have had a slow-mo moment in life? Like it was like a slow-mo moment. I looked like a half of a football field down the road and I look at this, this church building and I slowly look at him and I lean over and I said, you're closer to God right now, right now than if you were in that building. And he said, what do you mean? I said, God doesn't live in that building. He lives in me. And God loves you, man. God isn't afraid to be around the filth. God isn't afraid to be around the things that stink. God isn't afraid to be around people that are hurting. This is his message. I came for the broken. I came for the lost. I came for the hurting. If it's his message, it's ours too. As believers, as people who know the King, we have to go out, we have to reach people. The love of God is this important. This is, if you have kids, you understand this. When you, when you have a kid, you understand God to lengths that you never did before. And I'm learning that, I'm still learning with, with who God is. And this is what I learned about his love for humanity. I had never understood this. I'm like, yeah, God, you, you sent your son and uh, he, he saved the world. He saved humanity. I get it. Well, the truth is I didn't get it. I, God woke me up at 3 a.m. This actually happened about a month ago. God woke me up at 3 a.m. He does this regularly. 3 a.m. is our call time, apparently. Like, we're just 10 a.m. Put it at 10 a.m. It's way better. Like, I'm awake. He wakes me up at 3 a.m. and he he, he starts taking me on this journey with his son, with Jesus. And he's like, I wanna show you how much I love the world. 
Jesus goes through this brutal death. People spitting on him, pulling his hair out, people punching him, people whipping him, people shoving him, pushing him, mocking him, putting a crown of thorns on his head, whipping him, bloody mess, putting a, a joke of a, of a royal robe on, a purple cloak, and then ripping it off after he's already bloodied up, putting him through immense amount of, of pain, immense amount of pain. And this is the revelation that I got. If I could get up enough courage like Abraham did with his son to put my daughter on the cross, great. The problem is, is there is no way after all of that, there is no way after all of that that I could love humanity for what they did to my daughter. I'd be so hateful. I'd be so mad. My wrath, my wrath would burn. <laughs> and our father, he loved us enough to send his son to take that kind of a beating. To take that kind of a punishment on the cross and through the road. Because loves us that much and I didn't get that I didn't realize the length the height the depth of God's love I thought I had it figured out it's crazy I didn't I still don't I could never do something like that thank God he did amen thank God he did I want to end today with I want to end today with asking you guys to stand with me real quick. Would you mind bowing your heads and closing your eyes? Is there somebody in here that you came into this place and that's kind of how you feel what we were talking about today, the, the story of the manger, the story of of the triumphal entry. Maybe you feel like you are filthy. Maybe you feel like you stink a little bit. And maybe, just maybe, the Holy Spirit is reaching you right now in your heart and he's saying, I wanna put the king there today. I wanna put the king in the manger of your heart. Jesus is big enough the King of Kings is big enough and great enough, no matter what you've done, the worst thing that you could have possibly done in your life, he is still that great and that big that your sin is nothing to him. He's already paid the price. He's already done the work on the cross. Victory has already been won. If that's you this morning, would you just slip up your hand? I would love to pray with you. Is there anybody here that wants to know the Lord? Let's pray this together. There's a, there's a couple of people that raise their hands. Let's just pray this together as a, as a group of believers coming into the kingdom. Here we go. Lord, we want you. We adore you for the kingship 
that you have. We claim you as king. We claim you as Lord. Lord, we know we're sinners. And we know your grace is good. God, would you forgive us and bring us into your kingdom? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give God praise because there's people who are part of this fellowship that weren't. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. We're going to worship for just a few minutes. And I, I want to I encourage this church. I want to encourage you to be people that are not just about the four walls of the church. This place is awesome and it's an amazing place to encounter the love of God, to encounter the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But we have to go reach people. We have to go out, amen? We cannot be comfortable anymore. We cannot be about our, our areas. Like it's, it's okay to go to the slop. It's okay to go to the places where people are hurting. It's okay to talk to the people that don't look the greatest. It's okay. And not just that it's okay, God wants us to do that. So this morning, wherever you're at in your walk with Christ, because we just prayed the prayer, we're all believers and it's awesome. We're, we're, we're unified like crazy right now. If that's you, if you're in a place where you're like, God, I run to my city in arrogance. I run to my city because I think I'm the king. Let's worship the king. Let's spend some time just getting with the Lord for just a few minutes and saying, God, I'm sorry. I wanna bring your kingdom in with peace and humility. I wanna let people know that there is a manger where you as king can be placed in their heart and that you are the one who took the sins for all. Let's spend time in worship. Amen.
there's one king. This is, this is the thing about uh, Chris and Nick and all the, the reason I know God's going to use them is because there's no such thing as doing anything for God at 10 a.m. That's what you have to understand. 10 a.m. is the perfect time. That's what everyone wants. You're never going to do anything for God until you're so broken. You weep and you cry for the lost and for your own sin until you're so moved by Him that 3 a.m. is fine with you. You don't care because all you want is His kingdom and His power and His glory and His reign in everyone you know. And that's why I know, hey, these guys are going to actually do something for God. Amen? Let's pray. Come on, church. Lord, we thank you that you're moving in our life. Lord, move in our life. We want the King, eternal and mortal, glorified. Oh, God, whatever it takes, whatever we must do, Lord, here we are. Send us. Here we are, God. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in everyone's life, young and old, and that you are raising up a generation, Lord, who's not perfect, but just has a beating, burning heart for you and for your kingdom and for the lost. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you, God, that you are raising up a great work here, that you are going to raise up a great work in Colorado. Thank you, God, that you are truly putting your heart in every generation. We give you the, the, the glory for it, the honor for it, and we thank you that we're going to see you move outside of this place. In this place, oh, yes, God, we expect it, and outside of this place, in the powerful, strong name of Jesus, and everyone said amen and amen. God bless you. Give him praise. Have a great Sunday.